What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Dynasty Zoltan podcast. I'm joined here by my favorite guest. It's no one. It's just me. I'm solo podcasting this week, but I'm bringing you some of the best information that you're going to find going through every single team, one player for every team, talking about some key statistics and usage trends to date in the season and giving you some advice on buying or selling them at this point, as well as some potential trade offers you can make. Quick reminder before we get into the teams and the specific players, you can find all of this data and a whole lot more on my Patreon. I go through about two to four players on each of these teams, also listing my favorite buys and sells at each position every week based on your contender, rebuilder status. Um, check that out if you haven't yet. But we're going to start with the AFC, go division by division in the order of the standings, and we're starting with the AFC East. So that means we got the 5-0 and Miami Dolphins and Devon Achan. Now, Achan, of course, very disappointing that he was placed on injured reserve. Um, looks like he's going to miss, obviously, at least four weeks. Hopefully that's it. The formula here is pretty simple, as I've said before in Dynasty. You buy the injured players, and you especially buy injured players who have shown the ability to be maybe the best running back in the NFL as a rookie. It's honestly a very similar situation to last season where Brees Hall flashed his numbers in the first seven weeks of the year where it looked like he was on track to be the Dynasty RB1. Devon Achan, not going to be the one with B. John Robinson in town, but there's a good argument that had he not gotten hurt, he should be the RB2. And for me, he's going to fall in right there at the RB5 at this point, um, mostly because of the injury. But if you can flip Kenneth Walker, Travis Etienne, Tony Pollard for him, I would definitely recommend doing that. Or if you could get a first-round pick on top of McCaffrey or Jonathan Taylor, And the reason for that is just how good Devon Achan has been. Probably the best running back in the NFL per touch. He is first in PFF run grade, yards after contact per attempt, yards per attempt where he's averaging 12.1 yards per attempt. He's got seven carries of 15 plus yards and only 38 carries. And he has doubled the elusiveness rating, according to PFF, of any other running back. So... While he only has 10 targets in those three games, that is largely just due to a lack of route participation. Um, He hasn't been a full-time running back yet. He's really just taken over uh, in week four and five. I expect when he comes back, it's still going to be a timeshare, but I love Devon Achan, especially as a buy on a rebuilder. But even as a contender, I would not be selling him right now. Next, let's move on to the Buffalo Bills, and I want to talk about James Cook, who I've I've become a little bit worried about. I was low on him during the offseason, was sold a little bit early given the usage, but he just hasn't been that good. Um, in four out of his five games this year, he's had essentially the same usage. 60% snap count, 50% of the rush attempts, 55% of the routes— Um, The issue is is that all of the other metrics are pretty much average. His target rate is league average. Um, He isn't getting a lot of the goal line work. He has received uh, three of the last five carries uh, within the five-yard line, but before then he hadn't received any. And of 56 running backs with at least 20 carries, he is below average in missed tackles per attempt and elusiveness. He's basically average in yards after contact per attempt and yards before contact per attempt. He's basically just an average running back, and what you have here is a player on an offense where, yes, it's a high, it's a high-level offense. They use the running backs a fair amount, but not to a ridiculous degree. He's not going to get a lot of the goal line work. He's never handled a large workload before, and he needs to put up ridiculous efficiency in order to cash in on some of his value. The issue is is that the lack of reliable running backs behind him have pushed him up to the you know 10 to 15 range of the running back rank- rankings when his talent says he should be more around 20. It's just a bunch of other people have gotten hurt, have been pushed down for situational reasons. So I'm trying to use him to get up to a guy like Etienne or Walker. I'd be happy to add a second or two in order to do that uh, or even quote-unquote downgrading off of him, getting a guy like Kyron Williams who's going to outplay him this season and maybe getting an early second-round pick on top of that. So I am selling James Cook at this point. I don't think it's an obvious sell, but it's one I'm looking to make. 
Next, we got the New York Jets, and other than the obvious buy lows of Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, that window might have closed, Garrett Wilson as well. Let's talk about the other Wilson, Zach Wilson, who, you know, had a mediocre game on national television, and now all of a sudden there's some believers coming around. Don't, don't be one of those guys. He is absolutely terrible. He is in the bottom five of the NFL in bad throw rate, on target rate, PFF grade, big time throw rate, and turnover worthy play rate. He is just not a good NFL quarterback. He has more turnover worthy plays than big time throws. And he should be sold for a second round pick if you can get one because Kirk Cousins might be on the way. And even if he's not, I don't see Zach Wilson being a starter in the NFL. I've said it once, I'm going to say it again. For the New England Patriots, the most obvious buy is Demario Douglas, who's probably my top buy in the NFL. But since I've talked about him before, let's talk about Ramondre Stevenson instead. He has been terrible this season. 2.8 yards per attempt with a long run of 12 yards after being one of the most efficient running backs in the NFL last season. Out of 56 running backs with at least 20 attempts, he's 41st in missed tackles per rush. He's 35th in yards per route run, which is supposed to be the strength of his game. And he's second to last in yards after contact per attempt. The Pats' offensive line is absolutely terrible, but a lot of this does have to go on Ramondre Stevenson's shoulders. He has not looked like the same player. There were a lot of rumors of him wearing down towards the end of last season. I'd like to attribute it to that. But it's just tough to say at this point. But I'm marking Ramondre Stevenson as a buy low because he has kept this workhorse role. Um, A lot of the snaps that he's lost in the last two weeks have been because the Pats have been losing by 30 points. But Stevenson has still been playing with the starters and still been getting the large majority of the work um, early in the game. Uh, He's still at 56% of the rushing attempts on the season um, and running 56% of the routes as well, which are both, you know, borderline bell cow numbers I also think there's a chance he could be traded as the Patriots look to tank there's a lot of competitive teams with a potential hole at running back uh looking at you Los Angeles Rams so we'll see about Ramondre I'm just buying him because you can get him for a second at this point and I'm gonna trust the talent there one other tiny quick note on the Patriots go pick up Malik Cunningham off waivers this is just a special one for you guys out there listening to the podcast every week He's available on most of your waivers. Mac Jones is terrible. Bailey Zappi might be worse. Maybe Malik Cunningham gets a shot and you get him for free. In Kansas City, moving on to the AFC West, I would like to talk about Isaiah Pacheco, who's a guy who I was low on in the offseason. I wasn't sure he was going to keep his role, and he didn't have a lot of upside due to his lack of receiving. But He's been really impressive. He's got 60% of the rush attempts on the year and a 16% target rate on 38% of the routes. Again, that's not awesome, but it's enough to be an RB2, which is all he really needs to be to return value where he's ranked right now. He has five of the Chiefs' six rush attempts inside the five-yard line. Uh, He's 14th in missed tackle rate. He's ninth in yards after contact per attempt. And while he's not an explosive runner, he is an efficient one. And when you have an offense like the Chiefs, who obviously have Mahomes, but have kind of struggled finding productive, consistent receivers outside of that, a guy like Pacheco who's going to get you that four and a half yards that you block for him is worth quite a lot. Um, He's RB18 and expected fantasy points a game, which puts you right in the middle of the RB2 range, which is kind of where I think he's going to be. And I look at a guy like Pacheco and look at the Chiefs' salary cap structure, especially with this uh, revamped Mahomes deal. I don't see the Chiefs investing in a running back particularly higher with a lot of money anytime soon, especially given what happened with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So I think Pacheco is probably there for the long run. They're clearly saving McKinnon uh, for the playoffs, which I think is a smart move by the Chiefs. So I'm pretty comfortable buying Pacheco. I wouldn't pay an early second, but you can get him probably for a playoff second and third, and, and that's a good move to make at this point, to stock up on some depth, especially with all the other running back injuries at this point in time. In second place in the AFC West are the Los Angeles Chargers, and for me, this isn't even a statistical one. This is just a dynasty market value buy, and that is Quentin Johnston. He wasn't my favorite receiver coming out of the draft or even close to that. I think he was sixth in my film rankings, but 
I got pretty excited about him because of the partnership with Justin Herbert, and that hasn't showed up at all yet. However, they're coming off a week off. Mike Williams is injured. Quentin Johnston, it's time for him to be worked in the lineup. And all it's going to take is one or two big plays for his market value to completely bounce back. And it is at an absolute low right now that I don't think will continue. He is outside of the top 30 wide receivers uh, from a dynasty perspective. Currently on keep trade cut, he's being ranked as wide receiver 37 below the likes of Tank Dell and Jamison Williams right there with Mike Evans and Jahan Dotson. So I'm buying Quentin Johnston, especially on a rebuilder. Trade a guy, even like a guy like Keenan Allen for him. I would trade a Terry McLaurin for him. You can trade a second that you might have picked up for him. Quentin Johnson's an amazing buy low. He was never a rookie bet. Moving to the third place, Las Vegas Raiders. Another buy similar to Quentin Johnston is Michael Mayer. And again, this is just buying based off of the college profile. The craziest stat about the Las Vegas Raiders right now is that Michael Mayer and Austin Hooper have only combined for 12 targets on the season, which is 7.5% of the targets in Las Vegas going to tight ends. And this is a team that has Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. And you would think, based on his history, that he would throw a lot to the tight ends. Same goes for Josh McDaniels. Obviously, both coming from the New England coaching tree, and, you know, they love tight ends there. But it just hasn't happened so far in Vegas. They are funneling completely through Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers, who've combined for a 60% target rate. Um, That doesn't give a whole lot for the tight ends when you factor in Jacobs is going to get 20% and the wide receiver three is going to get, you know, 10%. But uh, I see a lot of ceiling potentially there for Mayer. I've been able to pick him up for a late second in a lot of places. Sam Laporta has spoiled us a little bit into thinking that all tight ends will produce as rookies. It just doesn't happen. So be patient with a guy like Michael Mayer. There is a reason that he was ranked similarly to guys like Dalton Kincaid and Sam Laporta going into the season by low from impatient owners. Finally, we go to Denver and Javante Williams, who has been quite disappointing, similar to Ramondre Stevenson, just a massive drop-off from last season and really his rookie season as well. When he made a name for himself in terms of breaking tackles, he ranked top 10 uh, in you know the first season and two games of his career in terms of missed tackles forced, explosive run rate, success rate. Um, he was very uh, yards after contact per attempt. And this season, he is in the bottom 15 in all of those metrics. To me, this is a completely injury-related concern for Javante Williams. He came back two months before people expected him to. He was fully practicing in July, and people expected him to be on pup. And he wouldn't even come back until this week, essentially, when Cooper Cup and Jonathan Taylor came back. So he is just getting back to full health. Javante Williams is a young player, incredibly talented player. Jalil McLaughlin's looked awesome, but I I think and I hope that it's going to be Javante and Jalil and that Samaje Pirine's going to see the bench. Pirine has played better than Javante so far, but I really think that's just due to injuries. You can get Javante Williams for a late first at this point, and it is a very good buy window. Moving on to the AFC North and Pittsburgh, who are somehow in first place in the AFC North. I got three guys I really want to, or three situations really I want to talk about with the Steelers. So I'm going to rapid fire here. Sell Kenny Pickett. He is not an NFL quarterback after having the lowest touchdown rate in modern NFL history last year. He is in the bottom seven this year in PFF grade, big time throw rate, completion percentage, adjusted completion percentage, and he's not running the ball. He only has four scrambles on the year. So sell Kenny Pickett. George Pickens is a guy who I was low on, but he's looked a whole lot better. His yards per route run has elevated almost a full yard up to 2.25, which is basically, you know, 30th in the league. Uh, His yards after catch per reception is a big reason why. That's gone up by over four yards, even though his average depth of target is two years lower. But he's pretty much the same player. His separation is still really bad, fifth worst in the league at 2.1 yards. And while he does have more yards after catch than the entirety of last year, Most of that is boosted by that 71-yard slant that he housed, and it's awesome to see him do that. 
but that's not something that he's shown could be replicable. And that early in the season is what we call an outlier influencing the data. So I'm, I'm holding George Pickens, but if you could sell him for a guy like Brandon Ayuk, um, I would certainly try to do that. Or, or a Puka Nakua, for instance, if you could do that as well. Last thing I wanted to touch on real quickly, sell all of the Steelers running backs, Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. Combined, they are only averaging 19 expected points per game. Uh, neither of them are effective at all. Uh, Jalen Warren would be my f- preference because he's out targeting Najee three to one and they're basically splitting carries. But my preference is to sell both of them for a second round pick because there's just, there's not enough pie for them to split and they're not good enough to increase the size of the pie. And moving on to the team that the Steelers beat last week, remarkably, let's talk about Zay Flowers. Uh, early in the season, he was getting an absolutely absurd target rate. I warned you all, it was mostly due to manufactured touches, and things have balanced out a little bit. He's he's down to a 23% target rate, which is okay. Uh, I mean, as a rookie, it's better than okay. It's, it's solid. Uh, his average depth of target is still very low at 8.8, and that equates out to 1.85 yards per route run, which is 38th in the NFL. Basically, what that tells me is that he's a wide receiver three or four at this point, and I think that's where he's at. To me, I've been concerned about his lack of ability to get open against man coverage. He currently is averaging 0.92 yards per route run versus man compared to 2.46 versus zone. And of course, a lot of the manufactured touches come from zone, Uh, But what that tells me is when it's man coverage, he just doesn't have the ability to get open. And this was an issue I saw in college. He's super shifty after the catch, but even his yak per reception isn't that high. It's 4.5 this year. So I don't see any type of wide receiver one overall upside, even with Odell Beckham uh, and Rashad Bateman doing essentially nothing this season. I don't see that from Zay Flowers. And at this point, you can flip him for Cooper Cup, Jordan Addison, uh, Nakua, Ayuk, Jackson Smith, Jigba. I'm doing all of that. I'm even selling him for Nico Collins, even though I think you could get more. So I'm on a pretty hard sell path still with Zay Flowers. And everything I've seen the last few weeks have just reaffirmed that. Oh, baby, let's talk about Elijah Moore, who is a player who I loved as a rookie. We all know the end of his rookie season was very similar to Amon Ross St. Brown. Everyone thought he would break out. Then last season, he was absolutely terrible. He had under 1.0 yards per route run last season. The mo- the pl- the Sorry, he ran the most routes of any player to have under a 1.0 yards per route run. Uh, and only one player historically, that was Devontae Adams, had a yards per route run that low and ended up putting in a top 20 wide receiver season in the future. So Elijah Moore did not have a great profile coming in to this season, despite the fact that you could blame Zach Wilson, Mike White, whatever you want for all of that. This season, yeah, he's been awful again. And I saw this coming. I wish I sold him more. I am going to be selling him more for second round picks whenever I can. Because of 103 wide receivers with 10 or more targets, he is 73rd in PFF grade, 74th in yards per route run, which is barely over one. It's 1.06. And he has a yak per reception under three and an A dot under nine. Uh, He's one of only two players in the NFL to have a yak that low and an average depth of target that low. Basically, what that tells you is he is being used in the short game and the manufactured touch game, and he's not manufacturing anything. So Elijah Moore is a guy that I'm selling easily for a player with a higher ceiling. Go sell him for Jamison Williams, Quentin Johnston, Rashi Rice, Josh Downs, any second round pick, Marvin Mims, the list goes on. You know I'm not the type of guy to buy old running backs, but it's time to buy Joe Mixon because his usage this year has been unbelievable. He is leading the NFL in rush attempt rate. By the way, that's just percentage of rush attempts to running backs on your team that you personally got. He is first there. He is eighth in route rate among running backs, sixth in snap rate, and he's never been that efficient. His his efficiency for his career is about 4.1 yards per attempt. It's at 3.9 this year. But all of this usage indicates a running back who should be a low-end RB1. His expected fantasy points per game is up at 16, and he is underachieving this number by the sixth largest amount per game. 
A lot of this has to do with the fact he's not getting touchdowns because the St- uh, the Bengals' offense was an absolute mess. A lot of it has to do with, I actually watched a few of his outside zone runs, and a lot of it is that typically the defensive end would have some responsibility to go with the quarterback because Burrow can scramble, uh, not even to run. He can just roll out. He's not doing that at all, which hurts Joe Mixon in the running game. I think the whole offense is going to get healthier. I think Joe Mixon is going to be an RB1 for the rest of the season. Probably a low-end one, but still a valuable RB1. And if I'm a contender with my second-round pick, I will happily give that up for Joe Mixon. This one really hurts me to say, but as we move to the AFC South and the Jacksonville Jaguars, I gotta recommend you to sell Travis Etienne because... Uh, He just hasn't looked as good this year as I expected. And a lot of the ways that we thought he'd be productive, rushing the football and with explosive runs, that has not come through. So let's first talk about the usage. He is a true bell cow. He is fourth in snap rate, seventh in rush rate, and fifth in route rate. He's one of only three players to be top 10 in all three of those metrics. And he's turning it into production. He's doing very well. Um... Travis Etienne, the problem is, is he does not have a lot of receiving it, uh, output, and he only is one attempt inside the five-yard line. So what you see there is despite the high route rate, he only is 15% target rate because Trevor Lawrence hates throwing to running backs, and he's not getting any touches with inside the five-yard line. Tank Bigsby has four of those compared to Etienne's one. So what that tells you is you have a player who's getting a lot of touches, but not a lot of high-impact touches. I already said he has you know, basically a top five usage profile, but he's 13th, or sorry, 12th in the NFL in expected points per game uh, because he just isn't getting it in the places that actually turn into fantasy points, which is near the red zone, uh, near the end zone, or receiving the ball. And in addition to that, he's not breaking big runs like he used to do. He's ninth in avoided tackle rate and 16th in yards after contact per attempt, which is solid, but he's only 28th in breakaway rate. Uh, or explosive run rate, they're the same thing, or 29th in yards created per touch. And he turns 25 in January. People forget he stayed an extra year in college and he missed a full year due to injury, which means his contract is up after the next year. He's a guy who I'm looking to sell. If I can go get Brees Hall, Jonathan Taylor, or Christian McCaffrey, go get two solid firsts for him, or go get Devon Achan. I'm making that deal, and it, it hurts because I think Etienne's great. I thought he was a value at fourth-round startup this offseason, but the lack of talent at the running back position has pushed him up to RB5, and I just think that's too high given his uh, production profile. Let's talk about Josh Downs, who's a player that you need to buy now. Not, not, in, a, not in a few weeks because he's going to cost double what he costs right now because everything I've seen from Downs has been absolutely excellent. He's fourth in slot rate right now. He's running a route on over 80% of the Colts' pass plays. And while his targets per route run is only 20%, that's not excellent, but it's totally solid for a rookie slot wide receiver. More importantly for me is that they're using him down the field, again, for a slot guy. Having having an air yard share that's essentially the same as your target share is very positive. And I think a true breakout is coming for Josh Downs. This is the type of thing where you need to buy now before it's too late because there's going to be a a point in time where Josh Downs is worth essentially a late first-round pick, the same as Christian Watson and Debo Samuel right now. And right now, Josh Downs is way down there at wide receiver 47 next to Tyler Lockett and Jaden Reed. So I would have Downs in my top 35, and you should try to buy him for wide receiver 45 prices. Another wide receiver who I absolutely loved coming out of the draft this time three years ago, Nico Collins is hitting your exact third-year breakout, and all of it is real. Yeah, the air yard share has come down a little bit, so has the target share. Down to 23% target share, 29% air yard share. That looks more like a wide receiver two, like a wide receiver one. But even if that's all he is, that's okay, especially because he has looked incredible on film, particularly after the catch where he is tied for first in the NFL with Debo Smith in terms of yards after catch per reception. And a stat that I absolutely love is that he is leading the NFL in yards after catch per reception above expected, 
which means basically when you catch the ball, how close are defenders to you, how close is the sideline to you, etc. Um, he is gaining four yards more after the catch per catch than you would expect to based on where those defenders are positioned relative to him. So he's not getting these design touches like a guy like Debo Samuel is or these drag routes that lead to a lot of yak. He's just damn good, and he's seventh in yards per route run. So I don't think he's going to be a wide receiver one for the rest of the season, but he is without a doubt C.J. Stroud's wide receiver one, which is worth a hell of a lot. And I think Nico Collins is easily worth a playoff first-round pick at this point. And last but not least, in the AFC, well, maybe least, but certainly last, let's talk about Derrick Henry and Tajay Spears. I've been saying for months, maybe years, that Derrick Henry, his time has run out. And at this point, we can say pretty pretty confidently that he is no longer a bell cow running back and not even a particularly effective running back. Right now, he's 20th in the league in snap rate, and while he's still getting 68% of the rush attempts, which is top top seven, he's only running a rate a running a route on 32% of the dropbacks, which is a similar amount to guys like Pacheco and Brian Robinson and David Montgomery and these other pure runners of the football. The problem is for Derrick Henry is that he's no longer been super efficient. He has 3.8 yards per attempt, and if you compare that to Tajay Spears' 5.8 yards per attempt, you can see why Spears might get more of the work going forward. Spears has already run 82 routes compared to Henry's 54. He has almost doubled the force missed tackle rate, where Spears ranks 6th in the league at 30%, while Henry ranks 29th in the league at 19%. Spears' yards after contact per attempt is 4th in the league, and Derrick Henry's is 21st. Spears is the more efficient, explosive, and effective player right now. I have him ranked ahead of him in Dynasty. That gap is only going to expand for me as Derrick Henry obviously continues to age and as Tajay Spears steals more and more of this role. So I would give, I'd give the 201 for him. I probably wouldn't give a playoff first at this point, but I'm getting close to there. Really excited with what I've had to see from Tajay Spears to this point. And now, let's move on to the NFC and talk about the Philadelphia Eagles, 5-0 Eagles, and DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift's been awesome. Since week three, so remember, Gainwell started week one, then he was out week two, and DeAndre Swift started and had that huge blow-up game. So since week three, when Gainwell came back, Swift has outsnapped him 134-90, to which isn't a true bell cow amount, but in an efficient offense— you can be a low-end RB1 at that rate. He's getting three and a half targets and 19 rush attempts per game. Totally solid. The issue with him is that so much of his production have come from the Eagles blocking. He's fifth in the league in yards before contact per attempt. The only players ahead of him are uh, Raheem Mostert and Devin Achan, the Miami running backs, Brees Hall and James Conner. And after contact, he's 42nd in the league, again, out of 56 players. And he's only 17th in avoided tackles per rush. So he's been a good player. Uh, he's been very solid, honestly. Maybe not even as good as I thought he might be in terms of what he's looked like. The production's certainly been there, though. The problem is, is that the Eagles haven't shown the willingness to invest into running backs in the past, um, obviously letting Miles Sanders go, not drafting running backs time after time after time when everyone thought they would. And there's a lot of defensive players, young defensive players who need new contracts. Devontae Smith needs a new contract. Jalen Hurts' contract just kicked in. I don't see him in Philly next year. And if he's not in Philly, I don't know what his floor is. His floor could be back to being a backup. And I don't think he's that efficient behind a bad offensive line. So I'm selling for a first at this point, especially if you're rebuilding. Even if you're contending, I would consider trading him for a guy like Rashad White and picking up an early second, or a guy like Tajay Spears and picking up an early second, or just pay up. Go get Tony Pollard. Go get Kenneth Walker. Go get Brees Hall and add a first-round pick. I think that's a better usage of your assets, and you can still stay competitive this season. Let's talk about the team that got crushed last Monday night. Clearly is not in the elite of the NFC at this point. Your Dallas Cowboys, and a big reason for that is Dak Prescott, who has been the QB 26 in points per game this year. 
and he hasn't looked very good at all. I went and looked at a lot of his film, a lot of the underlying numbers, and that kind of holds up. He's not throwing the ball down the field. He's checking it down early a lot. He looks scared of the rush because he isn't able to be mobile at all. He has four scrambles total this season and is only averaging nine rushing yards a game. Remember, there used to be a time where Dak was averaging 30 rushing yards a game and consistently putting up a touchdown, a rushing touchdown every other game. That's just not who he's been since the injury. And while his volume has been pretty good, he's 13th in pass attempts, first in red zone passing attempts, and there's been a few positive numbers, like his money throws, he's thrown seven money throws this season. Um, The Cowboys have been leading a whole lot, so Dak is actually first in game script, which is a bad thing for a quarterback. But overall, those aren't enough to make up for the negative signs that we're seeing from Dak, both running and passing the football. The days of him being quarterback one are well behind him. Um, He's kind of in that middle range of quarterback where after you hit the first 14 or so quarterbacks, there's a question of Dak Prescott or Deshaun Watson, even Brock Purdy and Jared Goff working their way in there. We'll get to those guys later. I'm selling Dak right now. I think his value is only going to decrease, though his floor is pretty high because like Russell Wilson, he's got that contract. Let's talk about one of my biggest sells from this offseason and all of my beliefs from this offseason has just been reaffirmed, and that is the Washington Commanders' Jahan Dotson, who had seven touchdowns on only 56 targets last year. That was obviously not repeatable, and this year he's basically done what Elijah Moore did, where his... Yards per route run, which wasn't good last year, it was only 1.4, has fallen all the way down to 0.70. 0.70. And he's not being targeted down the field. His ADOT's under 10. He's not breaking tackles. His yak per reception is only 2.1, which is 74th out of 81 wide receivers. He has forced one missed tackle on the season. Dotson has the lowest yards after catch per reception of any wide receiver with an A dot under 10. And the only players around him are old big guys. Zach Ertz, Hunter Henry, Hayden Hurst, Allen Robinson, and then Jahan Dotson, who's supposed to be this young guy who can make plays after the catch. That's just not him. He's 67th in target rate. Guys around him there, Sky Moore, Darius Slayton, Allen Lazard, Jahan Dotson is a jag. You definitely can't get a first for him, but if you can get a second, I am easily doing that because he's just not a starting receiver in the NFL. Well, after talking about three straight cells, let's get a little optimistic with the New York Giants, Uh, even though the first sentence of my write-up for the Giants was, God, this team is depressing. One guy who I'm actually optimistic on is Darren Waller. He's averaging, 80, he's averaging a 90% route rate since week two, which is top five at the position. And his target share and air yard share are third and second at the position, respectively. That's elite. He is only eighth in expected points per game because of low volume, mostly passing the football. But at a position where you need floor and you need ceiling, Darren Waller's got both of them. I don't think he's looked particularly good this season, but the opportunity is there. He should be getting healthier, hopefully developing some chemistry with Daniel Jones. And people were so high on him coming into the season and are so mad that he hasn't come through for them that they will sell very cheap. So Darren Waller is one of my favorite contender buys. All right, San Francisco, this is another tough one for me to decide what to talk about. I'll briefly touch on Brock Purdy. He's been a buy for me. Absolutely love what I've seen from him. Second in the league in yards per attempt. Fourth in the league in adjusted completions percentage. The most ridiculous stat to me is that he's 17 of 20 for 307 yards and two touchdowns on throws to the intermediate middle of the field. Insane. One guy who's been taking advantage of that is Brandon Ayuk, who loves to operate around that range. And he's a guy who... I'm sold at this point. He's he's a top 10 run, uh, wide receiver in the NFL in terms of his talent. Second in the NFL in yards per route run. Second in the league in air yard share, getting 49% of the 49ers air yards. Fourth in yards per target with 14 yards per target. He's just a stud. Another stud who I'm selling on the San Francisco 49ers is George Kittle. And sometimes it's as simple as sell a guy after they get three touchdowns on three receptions because that's not going to continue. His underlying metrics 
tell you that he's barely a tight end one at this point. 17% target rate, 18% air yard share, and he's 19th among tight ends in expected fantasy points per game. Especially when Kittle and, sorry, when Ayuk and Debo are both playing, you cannot trust Kittle. I would love to sell him at this point for a guy like Dalton Kincaid, who has been, you know, disappointing for people expecting him to produce out of the gates uh, or sell him for any first round pick if you can do it. Next, let's talk about the Seattle Seahawks and Jackson Smith Jigba is an obvious buy. So instead, we'll talk about Kenneth Walker. Uh, who I've been impressed. His snap count hasn't dropped nearly as much as I thought. He actually saw 80% of the snaps last week after it seemed like Charbonnet was gaining on him a little bit. And it's kind of a similar situation to Travis Etienne where Walker is getting basically a bell cow workload. He's, you know, fifth in the NFL with 65% of his team's rush attempts. The problem again with Walker, like Travis Etienne, only a 15% target rate. Uh, The good news for Walker is that he's been good with those targets. You know, 10th among running backs in yards per route run. He's caught all eight of his targets. Eight isn't a lot. So why am I buying Kenneth Walker and selling Travis Etienne? Well, Walker is a year younger. Uh, He doesn't have as serious of an injury on his record. He has an extra year on his contract. And where Etienne, I talked about in the Jaguars section, has disappointed on some of these explosiveness metrics, Kenneth Walker hasn't. He's first in evaded tackles, he's 12th in explosive run rate, and most importantly, he is getting almost all of the short down and distance work with eight of Seattle's 10 rushing attempts inside the five-yard line. Um, I know at least one of them that he didn't get was because it was a hurry-up drill that he wasn't on the field for. Obviously, would love to see that, but he's basically Etienne, younger, more explosive player at this point, and he's getting the goal line work. So I'm buying Kenneth Walker. He's currently my RB7. Um, I still have him behind Devon Achan and Jameer Gibbs, but especially on a contender, I would definitely look to buy Kenneth Walker. This one can be a pretty quick one. Let's talk about the Los Angeles Rams, and I want to talk about Kyron Williams because he is an absolute bell cow, sixth in expected fantasy points per game, first in snap uh, snap rate and route rate. Uh, and it looks like he's going to be an RB1 this season. However, he is not a good running back. He is 33rd in missed tackle rate, 37th in true yards per carry. He has one explosive run on 77 carries this season, and he's such an interesting dynasty player because he's only in his second season. That would make you think he's more valuable in uh, dynasty than redraft, but similar to a guy like Justin Fields, that's not the case. So I'm almost thinking of Kyron Williams as Alvin Kamara where he's basically a 29-year-old running back. He probably doesn't have a good future. If he tore his ACL tomorrow, his floor would drop to zero. His his value would drop to nothing. He has no floor. The Rams could trade. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, not anymore, but Ramondre Stevenson, maybe. I don't know. Anyways, Kyron Williams is a guy that if I can get him for a late second on a contender, I'm doing that because at that point, if he's giving me RB1 production, even if it's for one year, I'll take it. But I'm also selling um, if I have him on a team where I think I can translate him to some more uh, sustainable value uh, at the running back position that's hard to find. Like, I'm not trading him for Rashad White, who doesn't have any long-term security either. What I am doing is I'm trading him for DeAndre Swift, who I think, even if he's not in Philly next year, is going to be good somewhere else, or I'm adding something to him and getting a first-round pick or a player of that value, right? Add on, add add two seconds to Kyron Williams and get Kenneth Walker, something like that. And the last team in the NFC West, we got the Arizona Cardinals. One quick note I want to tell you to buy Trey McBride. Uh, I've been saying this for a while. Zach Ertz is not going to be there for very long. They are completely tanking, and Trey McBride is significantly better than Zach Ertz double the yards after the catch, higher average depth of target, uh, 1.6 yards per route run uh, versus Ertz, who's at 1.03. Anyways, I want to talk about Josh Dobbs for this section because we've seen instances of a journeyman quarterback establishing a legit career in their late 20s, early 30s. We saw it last season with Geno Smith. But Geno Smith last season was a top 10 quarterback. Look at adjusted completion rate, yards per attempt, accuracy, all of that he was in the top 10. Josh Dobbs is in the bottom 10 in every single one of those metrics. 25th in on-target accuracy, 26th in PFF grade, 28th in yards per attempt, 
25th in big time throw rate. He is not a player who's going to be given a starting job. He might get the Minshew for a team that drafts next year's Anthony Richardson, right? Michigan wins the national title, which of course is going to happen. J.J. McCarthy comes out, gets taken fourth overall. Someone gets Josh Dobbs to hypothetically start during training camp and then eventually give J.J. the job. That's what I see as the future for Dobbs. He is way more of a journeyman backup quarterback than he is a Geno Smith or... Baker Mayfield. We'll talk about him in a second, but sell Josh Dobbs. On the contrary to Dobbs, we have Jared Goff, who has been absolutely incredible this season. And to me, he is making the progression uh, that I wanted to see from him. In the past, obviously, he had a killer 2019 with an amazing supporting cast and offensive system around him. Then he's been pretty much inconsistent, but this year he's been one of the top five or six quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, he's leading the NFL in PFF grade ahead of Tua Tagovailoa now. He is in the top six in yards per attempt, money throws, accuracy, big-time throw rate, turnover-worthy play rate. He has three times more big-time throws compared to turnover-worthy plays, which leads the NFL by far. Only Matthew Stafford is even 2-1. to one. So Jared Goff is essentially double any player other than Stafford in terms of big-time throws to turnover plays. That is exactly what you want to see from a guy like Jared Goff. He is the long-term starter at this point, no doubt about it. He's throwing it deep, seventh in deep ball attempts. I view him as a guy like what Kirk Cousins has been for the last five, six years, where he can be the QB 10 to 15 every single year is never valued above a fifth or sixth round startup pick because he doesn't have that upside. But if you told me that I'm getting five years of QB 13 play, that's easily worth two first round picks. I'm I'm not saying to go spend that on Jared Goff because of course there's, there's floor there that that's, that's talking about his, you know, optimistic expected outcome or or ceiling. Some might argue, Uh, but either way, I'm, I'm happy to buy Jared Goff. If I'm a playoff team, I'm giving up a late first pretty comfortably at this point. Man, another quarterback going back to back to back. Let's talk about Jordan Love, who, boy, he is a lot more Josh Dobbs than he is Jared Goff. His numbers are actually worse than Josh Dobbs this season. He is last in the league in completion percentage by 4%. Four full percent he's last in the league. To give you an idea of what that actually means, uh, the gap between let's say 10th in the league and 25th in the league is 4%. That's between Lamar Jackson and Derek Carr. That's the gap between uh, what we have with Jordan Love. The problem with Jordan Love is that he's throwing the ball down the field, which could explain why he's been inaccurate, right? He leads the league uh, with a 10.2 average depth of target. He's first in air yards. That, That corresponds quite well, obviously, and he's third in deep attempts. But even his adjusted completion percentage, which factors in all those things, is last in the league. And he's he's not good throwing it deep. Why is he throwing it deep? He's 6 of 24 on deep throws. Really concerned for Christian Watson due to that. I still have him as a buy, don't worry. But obviously don't love seeing that. I'm selling Jordan Love for a random first because he doesn't have a contract going into the future. I do think he'll still have a starting job next year. I just don't think he's a real starting NFL quarterback. So I'm selling Jordan Love. Real quick, one other stat I got to add just because I love it. Romeo Dobbs has a 0.59 yards per route run versus man coverage. That gives you an idea of what I think his upside might be. Uh, for those who don't know, I've been talking a lot. One yard per route run is basically terrible. That's Donovan Peoples-Jones level. Romeo Dobbs, 0.59 versus man coverage. I just mentioned yards per route run versus man coverage. Here's another guy I want to talk about for that, and that is Jordan Addison, Minnesota Vikings. He's obviously going to get a huge boost now with with Justin Jefferson missing maybe the whole season, but at least four or five games. Addison's only run 75% of the route so far this year, and he's probably going to be top five for the rest of the season in terms of route run if you just look at K.J. Osborne and Justin Jefferson, who have both been in the top five. The problem is that Addison has been very underwhelming uh, as far as his actual production and efficiency. 
He's has a 16% target rate, which is 73rd in the NFL out of 103 wideouts. 21% air yard share is 62nd, well below average. And I watched a bunch of his tape on Tuesday because I really wanted to dive in to see if I should be buying him with this Jefferson news. I came up that I should be selling him. 2.7 yards of separation per target for a guy like him is terrible. And he's 0.64 yards per route run versus man coverage. Very close to very close to Romeo Dobbs. It's 10th worst in the NFL. And it continues a pattern of what I saw from college. He's very good against zone. He can make some big plays, but he is not strong or clinical enough in his route running to get open against man coverage. And that's completely carried over. So Jordan Addison, maybe wait a week because he's probably going to get 11 or 12 targets, but he's a guy that I'm looking to sell for sure, especially because Kirk Cousins might not be a Viking for too much longer. The last team in the NFC North that we got to talk about is the Chicago Bears and Justin Fields. Two weeks ago, I told you he was my favorite buy. Now his price has come back up closer to where it was before, so he might not be my favorite buy anymore, but I am still completely buying him. We've seen what the upside can be. No, he's not going to have 300 yards every game. No, he's not going to have four touchdowns every game. But his QB11 ranking is pretty much right in line of where he should be. The real issue for him has been sacks, where he's taking 19 sacks, third most in the league. But he's been a pretty accurate thrower otherwise. Sixth in on-target throw rate. He's got seven big-time throws and only five turnover-worthy plays. That's a totally respectable ratio. I still want to see more running from Justin Fields. He's only got 15 scrambles. Uh, on the season and nine design runs in five games that's not enough but we know that that can improve his his yards per attempt this year is under five that's going to step up closer to six and hopefully the attempts will as well so I am buying Justin Fields even at his current price um, and I do expect that to continue to go up whether he's starting for the Bears next year or another team I I think he's shown enough that some team's going to give him a shot I teased this a little bit earlier, but Baker Mayfield is on my buy list because unlike highly touted young QBs like Mac Jones, Desmond Ritter, Kenny Pickett, there was a lot of hype for these guys in the offseason to a varying degree. Jordan Love, Baker Mayfield's actually coming through. He's been legitimately impressive. 14th in PFF grade, 7th in completion percentage, 3rd in true completion percentage, He has seven money throws, which is tied for fifth in the NFL. And my favorite thing about Baker is that he has been incredible when under pressure. He has completed 85% of his passes when under pressure, which is absolutely insane. Um, He's only taken four sacks on the season, which is incredible, especially for a team whose offensive line is good but not great. And his pressure to sack rate is 9%, second lowest in the NFL behind only Patrick Mahomes, who also is the only quarterback who's been sacked less than Baker Mayfield with more dropbacks. Uh, they actually have the same amount of, uh, same amount of snap, uh, sacks, but sack rate. You understand where I'm going with this. So Baker is running an on-time, accurate offense. He's moving the ball. He's being safe and smart with the football. And it's been incredibly impressive to see. I think Baker is securing himself a role for the foreseeable future, whether it's in Tampa or elsewhere. And I'm happily paying a second round pick for him. I feel like I can put this one on repeat from, I don't know, the last three years of my podcast, but by Kyle Pitts, he finally had a good game. We've been needing to see it. Crazy how Desmond Ritter has one mediocre game and all of a sudden Kyle Pitts is awesome again. Um, but all of the underlying metrics in there. First in air yard share among tight ends. First in average depth of target. Ninth in target share, which isn't that bad. Like, for everyone's complaints, ninth in target share among tight ends. Not that bad. I really think that Kyle Pitts is... I want to put him still as my dynasty tight end one. I know he shouldn't be, but I truly think he's a more talented player than Sam Laporta. The situation isn't there. Um, and then Mark Andrews, who is my tight end one. But... Kyle Pitts is still a buy. You can get him at basically fifth round startup value, a mid late first. Most people who own him are so sick of him at this point that they just want to get rid of him. Try to use that to your advantage. Let's talk about the New Orleans Saints, and I want to touch on Michael Thomas. I've been excited about his bounce back a little bit this season. He's getting 24% target share and running 90% of the routes. That's awesome. 
Uh, he even is getting targeted a little more down the field with an A dot of 11 and a 29% air yard share. But the problem is he has not been efficient at all. He's forced one missed tackle on 26 receptions, which is why his yak per reception is under two yards. And his yards per route run is 1.53, 51st in the NFL. His target separation of 1.28 is 80th in the NFL. He's always been slant boy. Now he's slant boy without any burst or explosiveness. So I'm still okay trading for him on a contender. He costs a third, maybe, like maybe maybe a good third, uh, but it's probably a rebuilder selling him, so you shouldn't have to pay much. But if you're a rebuilder, now's the time. Go get something for him now because he's just not a player that has any ceiling, uh, either for his production or value. So I don't see any way that you're ever going to be going to get a second round pick for him. Looking at the latest version of Keep Trade Cut, he's right in the same range as Rashid Shahid, Jonathan Mingo, Michael Wilson. I'm taking all those guys over him, but more likely try to add a third and get a second for Michael Thomas if you're selling him. And last and least, we have Miles Sanders in the Carolina Panthers. Literally the worst running back in football. I've been saying this for a while and got a lot of flack for it. But let me just give you some stats from Miles Sanders. These are not advanced analytics. This is simple. He has 60 carries for 182 yards, which is 3 yards per carry. He has 23 targets for 81 yards. That means he has 83 touches. He has not gained more than 270 yards. Every time he gets the ball, it's 3.2 yards. Literally, you could give it to him three times and he couldn't get a first down. Maybe that's the reason he only has nine first downs on the season, which is an 11% first down rate, by far last in the NFL. He has zero plays above 15 yards, and he has more fumbles than he has touchdowns. I don't know if they're going to bench him. I know they should bench him, even though Chuba Hubbard's not good. What I do know is that Miles Sanders is not helping your fantasy team and that for some reason he still has value of a second-round pick, probably because he is a starter at this point. Go trade him right now for any second-round pick. I don't care. Any second. I don't care what your team structure is. You can find a better running back than Miles Sanders. And that's going to be it for this episode of the Dynasty Zoltan podcast. Want to thank you all for listening. A quick heads up, not going to be having an episode next week. Um, I have a little uh, wedding ceremony this weekend uh, and a small mini moon that's going to go through middle of next week. So not going to watch the football games until next Thursday or Friday, actually. But I'll be back again in two weeks. Wow, all the way at the uh, end of October. Time certainly flies um, back with all the good Dynasty Zoltan stuff you've been used to. Of course, check me out, Twitter, Patreon, Discord, etc. You know where to find me at this time. A lot of the info that I gave you today, that's about a third of what I give my patrons every week in this uh, weekly buy-sell usage update. So definitely consider checking that out if you found this valuable. Um, give me a five-star rating if you like it. Give me a four-star if you think it's fine. Uh, give me your feedback. Definitely just want to hear uh, from all of you as much as I can. Uh, And I won't be uh, hearing from y'all for two weeks. So have a good week six and seven, everyone. And I appreciate you for tuning in to the Dynasty Zoltan podcast.